بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی علی رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ ٹوڈے از دا ٹینتھ آف ڈسمبر ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ وی موو آن ٹو دا ایٹینتھ And I've reached verse 86. So inshallah today going through up to and including verse 92. So verse 86, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Al-Rajim, Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Say, who is the Lord of the seven heavens and the Lord of the throne immense? Verse 87, they will say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, say, will you not then be filled with awe. So here, a few things are mentioned. First of all, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He's mentioning the Arsh. Because, So Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he said, in Abu Ash-Shaykh and Ibn Kathir's tafsir, there is no night or day with your Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala and the light of the Arsh is from the light of his face, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here, night and day is a creation of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. We know that Allah has placed the system in place, so we get the night and the day. Before there was night or any day, the light obviously was something to be created. So here, Abdullah ibn Masood said, the light of even the Arsh, the ancient creation of the Arsh, is from the light of his blessed face subhanahu wa ta'ala so now the arsh why is it called the immense arsh so there's a report so this hadith is in a hakim in his mustadrak 2-319 abdullah ibn umr radiyallahu he said allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created four things by his hand the arsh the pen Adam and Adam alayhi salatu wasalam. Then he subhanahu wa ta'ala said to the rest of the creation, Qun, I be, and it was. So here the great son of Umar, Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu wa, he said that there's four creations. They were created in a special way. So obviously whenever the hadith mentions bodily parts in a, with regards to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, It is Muttashabihat. But we can safely say that these four things were created in a very special way. The first thing that he mentioned was the Arsh. So this shows this, the greatness of the Arsh. Allah didn't just say, Kun fa yakun. He created it in a special way. Then he mentioned the pen. I, there's a surah, surah 68, named after the pen, surah Qalam. Then he mentioned Adan. Adan is paradise. Jannatu Adnin Tajri. The Garden of Eden. He created it in a special way. And of course, Adam, alayhi salatu wasalam. After that, he, subhanahu wa ta'ala, created the rest of the creation, kun fa yakun. And what's interesting, even the angels were created kun fa yakun. So this is why, when people question, why are the angels told to prostrate to the human being? The response is, we were created in a special way. The angels weren't. And of course, Our beloved messenger is a human being, so it makes absolute sense. 
So this is the first thing. In terms of the geography of the Arish, there's an interesting report. So there's a hadith. The hadith is in Tirmidhi, number 2580. Read Hassan Sagih. Ahmad in his Musnad, Ibn Kathir's tafsir. Our beloved messenger, he said, said, Verily in paradise, there is an ocean, a bahrul of milk. An ocean of water. An ocean of honey. And an ocean of wine. The anhar, the rivers, then gush out of them. So this is the first piece of the jigsaw. So in this authentic hadith in Timbadi, the Prophet is saying, there are oceans in paradise. There is an ocean of milk, water, honey, and wine, bahar. But then he mentions that the rivers come out of the oceans. The anhar come out of the ocean. The second report. In Sayyid Bukhari, our beloved messenger, he said, when you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ask him for Al-Firdos because it is the central and highest part of paradise. And from it, Gush, the Anhar, the rivers of paradise. And above it is the Arsh of Ar-Rahman. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So breaking this Sayyid Hadith down. So the Prophet wasalam, said, Firdos is the peak of paradise. Then he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the rivers, the anhar, gush out of paradise. So this indicates that paradise is, the rivers come out of paradise, the rivers are below paradise. <coughs> and above it, above Firdos, is the Arsh. So with these two Sayyid Hadiths in place, we've got the geography. The glorious Arsh is the roof of creation. So all creation is underneath the Arsh. Rabbul Arsh al-Azim, Rabbul Arsh al-Kareem, the noble Arsh. Underneath the Arsh is Jannat al-Firdos. Underneath Firdos are the oceans and rivers. And the rivers filter down to the other levels, i.e. of paradise. So this is the geography, for want of a better word. The Arish, Jannat al-Firdos, the oceans and rivers, and it then filters down. So the Arish is the roof of creation. And also, with regards to the body of water, it explicitly says in Surah 11 verse 7, in Surah Hud verse 7. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions there, وَقَانَ أَرْشُهُ عَلَى الْمَاءِ His arsh was above the waters. So there's an explicit verse in the Qur'an where Allah Ta'ala mentions that the arsh is above the water. So the water is the huge body of water which the creation was created from. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala mentions وَجَأَلْنَا مِنَ الْمَاءِ قُلَّ شَيْءٍ And from water He created everything. So this huge body of water is also under the Arsh. And notice the Arsh is the roof of creation. Even that huge gargantuan amount of water is, i.e., below the Arsh. 
So going back to the verse which we're going through. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, Tell them, ask them, Who is the Lord of the seven heavens and the, the Lord of the immense throne? They will say Allah. Then He says, Tell them, Will you not then be filled with awe? So how is that relevant to, let's say, an atheist, a person who doesn't believe? If this great and glorious universe inspires you with awe, and even the atheists admit to that, then surely the power behind it is more worthy of your awe. It's common sense. <laughs> so you go to an atheist, does the universe fill you with, with wonder and awe? He goes, yes. Then what about the one who put it into existence? <laughs> so this is the argument Allah Ta'ala is putting forward. <coughs> Especially if you compare your dependence and his dependence upon him, meaning everything is dependent upon Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Verse 88. Say, who is it in whose hands is the governance of all things? Who protects all, but is not protected? Say, if you truly know. So now another argument is put forward. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Who has got control of all things? And he protects everything and nothing protects him. And this is why there's a famous passage in Surah 3 verse 26. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions explicitly, mulk. Say, O Allah, the king of kings or the king of the kingdom. So Allah Ta'ala is mentioning that he is the one with absolute authority. And what's interesting, this actual verse where Allah Ta'ala mentions that, say, O Allah, king of the kingdom, in your hand lies all that is good. And it continues. This was revealed during the battle of the trench. So in summary, they were digging the trench all the unbelievers had united to attack Islam and there was a rock that they couldn't smash. They called the Prophet he got a pickaxe and he struck it and then he miraculously said that subhanallah the Roman lands have been given to us. Subhanallah the Persian lands have been given to us. So then the hypocrites they said we can't even go for a call of nature and he's promising us the lands of the Romans and Persians. Then Allah Ta'ala revealed this verse, Surah 3, verse 26. This is in Behaki Abu Nu'im ibn Khuzaymah. So what's the link? The link is, Allah Ta'ala informs them that kingdom belongs to me. Whether you find it difficult to understand that or not. So when did Allah Ta'ala highlight that? The battle of the trench. So at that point, any person <coughs> on the earth would be asked, who are the masters of the world? Who are the superpowers? They would say either the Persians or the Romans. Allah Ta'ala revealed, kingdom belongs to me. And what happened after the battle of the trench? The Muslims got stronger, the kingdom came to them. So what's the difference now? When people say, who's a superpower? The Roman, um, the Americans, the Russians? No, the kingdom belongs to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So Allah Ta'ala is telling you explicitly in this passage, never forget that. Because power always belongs to me. I give it to whom I will. So here, this is what's mentioned here. The only thing about this verse, which is interesting, worth mentioning, the hadith is in Tabarani, 
Abdullah ibn Abbas, the beloved messenger, said, Sallallahu the greatest name of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, is Mul'azm, which when he is supplicated with, he answers, is in this verse. So this also should be said when making a dua, this verse. And if you use the great name, Allah will answer that dua. And it's most appropriate, it's here. Why? Because if Allah has got the kingdom, who can stop him from giving? So when you're making a dua to him, if he's giving kingdoms to, to nations, then what is your dua? So note again, Allah is highlighting something about his magnificent self. So going to the verse here, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Say who is it in whose hands is the malakut, i.e. the hidden kingdom of all things, who protects all but is not protected. Say if you know. Verse 89, they will say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Say to them, then how are you so deluded? So now what's the argument? The order and unity of purpose in the universe argue unity of design and goodness in its maker. So, what does this mean? You've got the laws of nature. So, every law that we know of, somebody had got it written and enforced. So, you've got the books, the statute books. If somebody goes, that just happened, you just laugh him. What are you talking about? It just happened. You know, thinkers got together and they enforced laws. Then how can the laws of the universe just come into existence? And then he goes, well, it just happened. Well, it, so who's really the fool? So Allah is telling you that all of the governance is in my hands. They will testify to that, but they'll give it another name, the laws of nature. What you give me? What's nature? Right? So Allah is saying, how are you so deluded? You're seeing all these laws, the law of gravity, the law of this, the law of that, and you're still deluded. So Lord Allah is giving you arguments for Tawheed in these verses. Verse 90. We have sent them the truth, but they indeed practice falsehood. Verse 91. No son did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala beget nor is there any God along with him. If there were, behold, each God would have taken away what he had created and some would have lorded it over others. Glory be to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is free from what they attribute to him. So here in verse 91, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now mentioning that he doesn't have a son. And then he mentions that if there were other gods, then there would be confusion over authority. And then he goes, glory be to him, he is free from this. So there's another passage in Surah 21 verse 22. In Surah Anbiya verse 22. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions there something very explicit. The translation. If there were in the heavens and the earth other gods besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there would have been confusion in both. But glory be to Allah, the Lord of the Arsh, above what they attribute to Him. So now there's a few very interesting things pointed out here. So the first, 
And this is uh, the work, the tafsir of Surah Al-Kahf by Shaykh Ibn Uthaymin. Shaykh Muhammad Ibn Salih Al-Uthaymin. Page 31 of the English translation. So he's, he's starting the clarification with a passage. In Surah Maryam, Surah 91, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا يَنْبَغِي لِلْرَحْمَانِ وَلَدًا it is not suitable for the most merciful that he should beget a son. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? He goes, it's not suitable for me. It's beyond, it's below my majesty that I should have a son. The Shaykh then said, meaning it is impossible to the highest extent of impossibility to have a son. So when you say impossible, that's not strong enough a word. The Shaykh is saying, the meaning here is, it is impossible to the highest degree of impossibility to have a son. Then he said, but doesn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say, and he recited Surah 48, 43 verse 81. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ إِنْ كَانَ لِلْرَحْمَانِ وَلَدًا فَأَنَا أَوَّلُ الْعَابِدِينَ Say, if the most merciful had a son, I would be the first of his worshippers. So this is another argument the unbelievers put forward. Because your Quran says, if the most merciful had a son, I would be the first of his worshippers. So that doesn't that indicate a possibility? So the Sheikh said, a connection to a condition does not prove the possibility of that condition. So I'll say that again. A connection to a condition does not prove the possibility of that condition. Look at the verse. If the most merciful had a son, in, the word is in, قُلْ إِنْ كَانَ لِلْرَحْمَانِ If the most merciful had a son, I will be the first of his worshippers. The Shaykh goes, a connection to a condition, which is happening here, if, does not prove the possibility that it would happen. We understand from other verses the Shaykh says that it is not possible for it to occur. Then he quotes another verse. This is similar to the verse in Surah Yunus, والسلام, Surah 10 verse 94, translation. If you are in doubt, وسلم, about which we have revealed to you, then ask those who have been reading the scripture before you. The truth has certainly come from your Lord. So be not of those who doubt. So again, what does it say in this verse? Talking to the Prophet. If you are in doubt, ask the people of the scripture before you. So doesn't that mean that the Prophet, there was a possibility of doubt? Look at the verse. فَإِن كُنْتَ فِي شَكٍ مِمَّا If the word is again in. What did the Prophet himself, what does the Hadith say about this verse? Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. In Tabarani in his Kabir number 17,906, Qurtubi in his Tafsir 8-340. After this verse was revealed, Rasulullah said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I do not doubt and I do not ask. <laughs> look how important it is to get clarification. If you just look at the verse, a non-Muslim could say to you, your Prophet had to come to us. If there was doubt, if he doubted the Quran, God is telling him in your book, come to the Christians, come to the Jews. 
If you are in doubt about what is revealed to you, ask those who have been reading the scripture before you. The Prophet said, I do not doubt. I do not ask. So the Shaykh goes, this is another example. It is not possible for him to doubt. But this statement is meant to enforce an affair that will never occur. This is the Arabic. Then he quotes another verse. In Surah 21 verse 22, the verse that I just mentioned. Had there been within the heavens and the earth gods besides Allah, then verily both would have been ruined. Then the Shaykh said, it is not possible that there can be gods other than Allah in the heavens and the earth. Those, he said in conclusion, this proves that connecting a condition is not proof of the possibility of that condition. Rather, it is impossible to the highest extent of impossibility. So the problem is, is language. You have to translate the words as they are. But if you translate the words into English, you end up with doubt. It's possible that God could have a son. Because the Quran says it. It's possible the Prophet could doubt. Because the Quran says it. It's possible there could be other gods. And the answer is no. Then why is God using these words? Because in the Arabic, this is proving or pushing the point. It's not only impossible. It is the highest degree of impossible for this to occur. So note again, I wanted to mention this here. I uh, even talking about this verse. So going back to the verse, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say here? He says, No son did he beget, nor is there any other God with him. If there were, each God would have taken what he had created, and some would have lorded it above others, meaning it's impossible. And there's another point. So this is in Tafsir Razi, Fakhruddin al Razi, Rahmatullah. He said, Surat Ikhlas was given the name Surat Al Asas, the foundation Surat. So, what's Surat Ikhlas? Surat Ikhlas is Qul Huwallahu Ahad. Why is it called Surat Ikhlas? Hassan al Basri said, because it's not talking about this world or the next. It's only talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Ibn Jadid and his tafsir. But Fakhr al Din al Razi says, it's also called Surat Al Asas. The Surah of Foundation. Then he quotes a hadith. Again, the reference is the same. The Prophet ﷺ, he is quoted a hadith from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I have founded the seven heavens and the seven earths upon Qul Wallahu Ahad. So there's actually a, a, a hadith in Qudsi where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, everything is I've created upon uh, being Ahad subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam Razi then says, this is the statement about the three causes of destructions of the heavens and the earth mentioned in the Quran. So there's three things that will cause the destruction of the heavens and the earth. Where does it mention that? In Surah Maryam, Surah 19 verse 88 to 91, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, They say the most merciful has taken himself a son. Assuredly, you utter a disastrous thing whereby almost the heavens are torn and the earth is split asunder and the mountains fall into utter ruin that you ascribe unto the most merciful asun. So three things are destroyed. Heavens are torn. The earth is split. The mountains fall. If you say that Allah has got a son, 
Then the Shaykh said, it is necessary that unity be the building block of the heavens, the earth and the mountains. So what destroys the fabric of creation? Shirk. Shirk destroys the fabric of creation. Allah Ta'ala is saying the heavens are almost ripping apart. The earth is almost splitting. The mountains are falling. So if that is called, what is causing that? Shirk. So what therefore is the concrete that stops it from being destroyed? Tawheed. So Surah Ikhlas is the Surah of the foundation. Then the Shaykh said, the denial of this by Christians is the near destruction of all we know as fixed and permanent. We only have to imagine a building constructed by many different builders, each following a different plan. How could we expect such a building to stand? Imam Razi reports that some say that the Surah Asas could lie in the meaning of another verse. Surah 21 verse 22. If there were in the heavens and the earth other gods besides Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, there would have been confusion in both. Then he said, in addition, Surat Ikhlas is called Surat Al-Mani'ah, the Surat of Prevention. Why? He quotes a report again in Fakhr al al-Razi Tafsir Kabir. Abdullah ibn Abbas relates that Allah the Almighty said to his beloved وسلم, on the Isra and Mihraj, I have granted unto you Surat Ikhlas. It is from the armaments belonging to the treasures of my throne. It is a preventative that wards off the punishment of the grave and the scorching fires of hell. Subhanallah. So Surat Ikhlas was given as a gift to the Surah on the Isra and Mihraj. And what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? It is a mani'ah. It is a prevention. Prevention of what? It prevents you from being punished in the grave and the fire. So Surah Ikhlas is Surah Al-Asas and Surah Al-Mani'ah. So Tawheed is such an immense thing that Allah Ta'ala has given. But unfortunately, people have fallen into shirk. So all of this is helping to explain this verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, No son did your Lord beget, nor is there any God along with him. If they were, behold, each God would have taken away what he had created and some would have lowered it above others. Glory be to Allah. He is free from what they attribute to him. Verse, verse 92. He knows what is hidden and what is open. Too high is he for the partners they attribute to him. Subhanallah. Look at these very key words Allah Ta'ala is using. The passage I mentioned just uh, earlier, it is not suitable for him to have a son. It clearly says that. In other words, it's below my majesty to have a son. You're insulting me. Now what does he say? People go through the Quran too quick. Alimil ghaybi wa shahada fata'ala fata'ala amma yushrikun Too high is he for the partners they attribute to him. In other words, he goes, it's not suitable for me to have a son. Then these partners, he goes, where are they? Where am I? I'm too high. So now what's interesting? To suppose that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a son, family, partners, companions, is to have a low idea of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who is high above all such things. He is the one true God. There can be nobody comparable to him. So now what's interesting? What does Allah Ta'ala say at the beginning of verse 92? shahada. He knows what is hidden and what is open. Now what does that mean? So in Surah 20 verse 7, in Surah Taha verse 7, 
this gives a, a, a more pregnant meaning. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, يَعْلَمُ السِّرَّ وَأَخْفَى He knows what is secret and what is more hidden. So there's a report. So this is the call in Ibn Jarir Ibn Kathir's tafsir. Abdullah Ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhu said, وَأَخْفَى The secret means what the child of Adam hides within himself. And what is uh, sir, the secret is what he hides within himself. And what is more hidden is what he has not even done before it happens. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows all of this. His knowledge encompasses that which has passed and that which is in the future. It is one complete knowledge. In this record, all of the creatures are as one to him. This is the meaning of this verse, Surah 31, verse 28. So in Surah Luqman, Surah 31, verse 28, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions there, and Ibn Abbas said, مَا خَلْقُكُمْ مَوْلَا بَعْثُكُمْ إِلَّا كَنَفْسٍ وَاحِدًا Your creation or your resurrection is in no wise but as an individual soul. So let's break this down. So what was Abdullah ibn Abbas saying? He goes, Allah the Almighty says he knows what is hidden and what is, sorry, what is secret and what is more hidden. The secret is what you hide in your heart. Allah knows that. So now there's two who know that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you. But then he says subhanahu wa ta'ala wa akhfa. He knows what is more hidden. That is what you haven't done yet. <laughs> so when you say alimul ghaybi wa shahada he knows what is seek, what is uh, unseen and seen. He's not just talking about what's secret then. It's when what's secret for eternity. He knows it all. So for instance, if you're going to live to a hundred, if somebody says to you, shame on you. Because what have I done? When you're 86, why did you do that? Because I'm 52. Why are you talking about 86 for? Oh, oh, you, oh sorry. It doesn't make any sense to us. Allah Ta'ala knows. He knows what is more hidden. So Allah's knowledge cannot be compared to the creation's knowledge. That's why Allah mentions that. He goes, there's nothing like, he goes, there's nothing comparable to me. Why are you bringing these creations to my level? It is not suitable for me to have a son. And also, what does Allah say in Surah 31 verse 28? It's all like one creation to me. Don't think it's difficult for me to know what's going on because they're all like one creation in my sight. And also there's a dua. Oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I seek refuge in you from what I have done and from what I have not done yet. <laughs> this is in Nasai, authentic hadith. So there's a dua where Rasulullah himself said that I seek refuge in you from what I have done. Then he says, what I have not done yet. So why is Rasulullah seeking protection from what he's not done yet? Because that's the akhfa. That's the secret of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya Allah, I don't know what harm I'm, I'm going to be causing in future. But even that I'm asking you to forgive and overlook. So the Prophet is teaching you Tawheed. So Lord, again, here going back to the verse which I mentioned. He knows what is hidden and what is open. Too high is he for the partners they attribute to him. Meaning, what are you doing? So note again, Surah Al-Mu'minun is, was revealed in Makkah. It is a Makkah Surah. And it's pure Tawheed. How many times have I mentioned at the end of the sessions that we're going through? Arguments for Tawheed. 
arguments for Tawheed. And yet again, there's seven or so verses we've been through today is arguments for Tawheed. So I'll decide the verse. And we will conclude. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل من رب السماوات السبع ورب العرش العظيم سيقولون لله قل افلا تتقون قل من بيده ملكوت كل شيء وهو يجير ولا يجار عليه إن كنتم تعلمون سيقولون لله قل فأنا تسحرون بل أتيناهم بالحق وإنهم لكاذبون ما اتخذ الله ميولد وما كان معه من إله إذا لذهب كل إله بما خلق كل إله بما خلق ولا على بعضهم على بعض سبحان الله عما يصفون عالم الغيب والشهادة فتعالى عما يشركون We pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu that he makes the Quran the Rabi of our hearts and I pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu that he forgives me for any errors which I may have inadvertently uttered him